Welcome to the Movies Past and Present Podcast. It's February 8th, 2023, and this is episode 97. I'm your host, Stanford Clark, and I'm podcasting from the crossroads of the West in beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. Just like my blog, moviespastandpresent.com, I'll be providing recommendations, commentary, and reviews about current and classic cinema. Thanks for tuning in, and let's do this thing. This episode is part of my 2023 movie watching project, which is watching 100 films from the Walt Disney Studios, which is celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. The film that we'll be talking about today is Walt Disney's Mary Poppins, which was released in theaters in 1964. Of course, this is a, you know, the well-known and beloved musical starring Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke and David Tomlinson and Glynis Johns, and it's just, you know, one of the all-time, all-time greats. I've got this one on my watch list, which I've got, which I will post a link to in the podcast notes on my blog if you're curious about the films that I'm going to be uh, watching this year. But uh, on the podcast today are two dear friends of mine, uh, Mitch and Lily. They both, they run the uh website imagineeringdisney.com and I've had the pleasure of collaborating with them on some cool stuff on their website and they were kind enough to to uh, take the time to be uh, on my podcast as we focus on a film that we all love again the great uh, classic from from Walt Disney Productions Mary Poppins so here is my discussion with Mitch and Lily from Imagineering Disney Dot com. All right. Well, lucky me. We are joined today by uh, two of my favorites, uh, good friends, and 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 Disney fans. We've got Mitch and Lily uh, from ImaginaryDisney.com. Hello. Hello. Thanks for hey, having Stan. us. How's Thanks it going? For, I'm good. How are you guys? Fantastic. We're excited to be here. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining me. I just. I couldn't put together anything that's that was focused on Disney, particularly this 100th anniversary of the Walt Disney Company, without uh, Mitch and Lily. I really, really couldn't. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for being here. We have the privilege today of talking about a film that I think is special to all three of us. We're going to be focusing specifically on uh, the 1964 film Mary Poppins. Yes. Hey. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, it only made this better is if we were all watching Mary Poppins too, right? <laughs> True. Oh, that'd watch, be fun. Watch it with you, with you too. We should do that sometime. That would be that would be so fun. Well, let's just dive into it. What what are your first experiences with Mary Poppins? Like, do you remember the first time you watched it, or what were your initial thoughts? When? Did, at what point in your life did you really learn to to love it? Let's start with you, Lily. What, what was your uh, first experiences with the film? Well, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this today because I knew we were talking about it. I was thinking, you know, as a kid, you don't even remember like the, some of the adult messaging in it. So you're like the part of the bank, you're like, that's boring, but it's all about the chalk painting and it's all about laughing on the ceiling and all of these things. And actually my sister 
says that she always fell asleep during Stay Awake. So she actually didn't know <laughs> there was a whole second part of the movie because she always just fell asleep at that part. So I, I think as a child, I have those memories of just like the magical, whimsical, colorful, the songs and all of those things. That's really what the movie was about when you're a kid. You know, and it's funny to think about it as an adult because I'm like, well, as an adult, there's all of these really rich, nuanced themes in the in the show that I love just as much as an adult. So it's just such a great film. How about now, you, Lily? Bit? Here, she didn't say it, but she is an expert. Oh yeah, all That's things Mary Poppins. Uh, you played Mary Poppins, right? Friends with friends with. You played Mary Poppins at <laughs> Walt Disney World. <laughs> Mitch and I have this constant fight because when you work at Walt Disney World, you know, the the intent is to keep the magic alive. And so we have a language among cast members that, you know, no one plays Mary Poppins, you know, because she's real. So, uh, you know, your wink, yeah, there's only one Mary your Poppins. wink friends yeah. with Mary Poppins because, of course, no one plays her. Well, I think saying that you're friends with Mary Poppins when you really played Mary Poppins, it ruins the magic. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> Mitch is a magic ruiner. <laughs> magic is whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what I was saying is, Lily has the knowledge. She has the 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 kind of like really cool in park professional experience uh, playing the part and you know signing the autographs and meeting everybody, meeting the fans. And then she just, you know, knows the books and the movies super well. And um, so she's really the perfect person to have on this episode. Lily, yeah. just one, one quick aside. Uh, while you were getting to know, you know, like be friends with Mary Poppins, uh, how much did you need to learn about her? In order, <laughs> I'm trying to use the right, I don't know what the right terminology is. Yeah, <laughs> well, I'll just say for for the sake the, the sake of the parks, um, it's a two day training. So the first day they have a whole set of things that you learn about how she would answer certain questions, and a lot of that is just Disney. You know, they've got a lot of rules and things things you can say and things you can't say. Um, and then you do watch the full movie as so I got paid to watch Mary Poppins. Oh, really? That was a nice. great day. Um, and then the second day is uh, dialect training, which is funny because I did dialect training in college and it was two semesters <laughs> of, <laughs> of training to do dialect training in at Disney that you just kind of knock that out in one day. So pretty funny, but you know, I mean, I was obsessed with the movie before I um, got cast as her. And I mean, that was one of the coolest experiences of my life because that I wouldn't have said, thrilled, I, I wouldn't right? have said I looked at her that I looked like her, you know, but then I remember just going home and looking at a cover of, Mary Poppins and thinking, oh, like I guess I kind of do look like you her. And like, how yeah. cool is that? Um, so then, of course, I mean, I went from loving the movie to obsessed. I read the books and I did all the things you know I didn't have to for my character, but I just know how it is when you're improving in the parks and people will ask you everything and anything. And actually, having the books really helped because there's a lot of backstory about how she's connected to certain characters and things like that. So it was pretty helpful actually, because I would, you know, I would use some of that material from the books to answer uh, kids' questions. So it was pretty fun. Nice. Now, Lily, with, with that, did, um, 
did you always and again i'm no expert with this but it always seems like when i see mary poppins in the park she's like in her jolly holiday garb and she's always with bert is that the case or were you were you where you know in a different costume or how, how did that work for you yeah jolly holiday is definitely the favorite um most sets are done in the jolly holiday dress the only one and you know i'm not sure where where how they do it today but at the time the only place where she wore the nanny costume was um at the the grand floridian there was a set there that was done in the lobby and so people could come greet mary poppins before they had breakfast or lunch or whatever and uh she you know she was there in the nanny garb with her umbrella and yeah that that was, I appreciated being able to do that set because, you know, I think that's kind of classic Mary Poppins and, and really a little bit of a feel too. You know, I feel like when she's in the Jolly Holiday, she's still stern, but she's kind of let's go a little bit. But, you know, when she's the nanny, she's kind of got her more strict character. So it was fun to play them both. Which was, was there one that was more fun? I mean, you kind of just mentioned the pros and cons of each. Yeah, you know, I love classic mary poppins but you know i mean anytime you get to hang out with mary is a good day you know good so. day. <laughs> she have the umbrella with the parrot yeah in both cases she has so she has the green poly when she's the nanny and then she has the white poly when she's oh, in jolly holiday nice. so yeah she's got always got that umbrella for sure <laughs> did did you have a carpet bag too when you were in the uh you know the nanny no costume. carpet bag. Um, really, you can endlessly pull out stuff. No kidding, <laughs> <laughs> which would be so cool. It <laughs> would be awesome. Um, there is a carpet bag and some tuppence in England. Um, sometimes they have that part of the building closed off, but there's a building that's like all the way back in England where they often do character sets. Depending on the time, sometimes it's Alice, sometimes it's Winnie the Pooh, sometimes it's Mary Poppins, but. Oh, they're in the UK pavilion at Epcot. Is that yeah? Okay. It's kind of right across from where uh, you know the British invasion would play and stuff like yes. that. You know, kind of right there. Look in that garden. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where they are supposed to be doing the ride um, that they announced. It. That they announced. Mm-hmm. That, we're not sure the, that disappeared. We're not sure if it's ever going to happen, but that was in that back area, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you go in there, you like look on the shelves. There's like some tuppence that are glued down, and you know there's kind of some Poppins references back there. I'll see. That would be fun. That would be fun to go look for. You yeah, know, to go go check that out. Well, that's um, that's so cool. What about you, Mitch? Do you have any first memories about the film, or, or you know? You know, I was trying to think of kind of my first memories, and I don't have any original memories that I can think of because it was something that we grew up with watching. We watched the the film, um, and it was always very magical. And I was thinking how my brother and I would always kind of fast forward through movies with a lot of music and dancing and stuff, and then with Mary Poppins, that wasn't the case because it was there was just something about it. You weren't going to skip any part of it because it was all just so so great so we kind of uh i kind of shied away from the musicals when i was young i grew up grew up and you know later on in life learned to appreciate them my wife is very into the the musical scene and she's a performer as well so she is um, amazing yes so i have i have the that uh, acquired love for that sort of thing but it wasn't there when i was a kid and mary poppins would be kind of the exception because it was so incredible um, so I was I was very captivated by 
the many, many kind of visual effects, the production value of it, the, you know, the, even the acting and the, the cast and the, the story itself, the story is just unbeatable. It's just wonderful. Um, so yeah, I was one, I was one that really kind of wanted to figure out how they did everything. Like, how did she pull that lamp out of the bag? How did, um, you know, how did they get those birds to talk or, you know, like chirp on her finger? You know, how did they get the people to, to kind of float around the room with, you know, maybe it was a wire, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was this, maybe. And later on you find out when you watch these, you know, behind the scenes stuff, which, which I always loved on like Disney channel or wherever they, they would show that kind of thing later on in the DVD and all that. Um, you find out that they, they used a mixture of all these different techniques, kind of like one after another, just mix them together. So you can never really get used to one um, special effect because it would be quickly um, replaced by another special effect for the kind of the same um, story element, right? And so that whole part of it was was big, big part of my growing up because it I was very inquisitive about that that sort of thing. Yeah, and it's cool how much it st- it holds up over time. I mean, I, I oh, never yes. get sick of watching that movie. It's just yeah. every time, and I always notice something a little different because there's just so much. You know, I, I really think it's Walt Disney's crowning achievement. I mean, there's so much thought and so many subtle things, and I think one thing that I really love about it is, you know, I think some of the best films and and really any you know piece of art or whatever when it's extremely collaborative that is what makes it really great and mary poppins was such a collaborative project i mean walt disney had the idea and of course he was trying to negotiate uh getting that with pl travers i mean you you guys know the story but like he worked really hard to try and even make it a film in the first place and um, while he was still negotiating, the Sherman brothers were already writing songs for it. And so a lot of the songs that they wrote ended up driving even some of the story. Yeah. And then you have, um, you know, D.D. Wood's choreography and all of these different places, uh, you know, these different pieces. Um, and even the actors, you know, the the Sherman brothers tell a story about, you know, writing a song that they really, really loved and they thought it was going to be like the pinnacle of the film. And it was this very um, slow song about love that Mary Poppins was supposed to sing. And Julie Andrews just said, this isn't her. Like this just Mary Poppins would not sing this and kind of put her foot down about it. And this is her first film, right? So for her to kind of come in on set and be like, no, I know this character. She cannot sing this song. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, she, she really shaped the character as well. And, and Dick Van Dyke as well, you know, you really added to it and, you know, even just like talking Walt Disney into doing the, uh, Dawes senior, you know, role and, you know, just (laughs) so many things about it are just so fun because it's like, wow, this is like people who have worked together, you know, with the, with the exception of Julie Andrews and a couple others, but like, these are people who have made films together for a really long time. And they just come together and make something really great. And, you know, I just think it's it's an outstanding film with an incredible message that still holds up. Yeah, the collaboration was unreal, just kind of unprecedented. They brought in uh, animation, mm, a, a totally. bunch of, um, you know, sound people, uh, like you said, the Sherman Brothers. Um, the, an amazing amount of kind of innovation had to go into it that was never done before. Um 
one thing that I thought was interesting was the um, sodium vapor screen. So instead of doing like a blue screen, which was never super convincing, they, they pioneered a whole new technique that um, allowed for much better because uh, so much of that is them like in front of animated backgrounds. They want to put animated characters behind these live action characters. Just that whole integration was um, it had been it had been done before, but never super well, never super convincingly. And this time it was done amazingly well. And so a lot of that stuff had to be um, pioneered kind of from the ground up because they knew what they had to achieve and they knew that there wasn't current technology that could achieve that. Yeah. Do you have favorite, either of you, like we mentioned some of them, uh, but just some like behind the scenes stories that you, you know, are aware of, like you're talking about the creation of the special effects or, you know, Dick Van Dyke, the deal he made with Walt Disney you know, to, be, <laughs> to, to play a Dawes senior. Uh, any, any favorites or what's your take on that? Gosh, I have so many. Um, and I think that's another fun thing about, I just feel like this movie's packed in so many different ways. Like the behind the scenes stories, there are like so many good ones. Um, but if I had to choose a favorite, um, I, I think, yeah, I know this is kind of obvious, but the Ma Jode, uh, or Jane Fonda, uh, story, I still love that story about how they, um, you know, needed a bird woman and, you know, she had been retired for what, 20 years at that point. And, uh, Walt Disney thought of her and said, you know, we're going to bring her into this film and we're going to ask her to, to play this role. And we're going to go get a car and we're going to treat her like the star that she is. And she cried when she got the role and, you know, they, they, they brought her in and, you know, I just, and I think it's kind of, you know, especially heartwarming because that's really what that song is about is, you know, it doesn't yeah. take a lot to help people feel loved. And, you know, just the fact that within the song itself, you know, Walt Disney was an example of that is just a great story. Yeah, that's, that's, that's excellent. How about you, Mitch? Have you got any, you know, um, Dick Van Dyke has really great, things to say about you know his time there and he was kind of a jokester and he did some really cool things and you referenced that um stan that he um he would he went to to walt and said hey i read the script i love the script i want to play this old guy at the end and i'll do it for free don't worry about it i just want to do it i think it'll be fun and then by the end of the conversation walt had convinced dick van dyke to uh, donate like two thousand dollars to cal arts and, like <laughs> walt really kind of came out ahead on that deal um, <laughs> and then you can't even imagine the movie uh any other way right i mean it's yeah, almost it's like so that's true. part of the story as if it were intended all along yeah. and you know who better to play that part um and he said and one thing that he says in the in some of the behind the scenes stuff uh, and i'm trying to remember exactly i can't remember but he said that he he was like on the in the studio lot and he was in the old man like um, hair and makeup and costume and he can't just like take it off to go to lunch he's got to go everywhere with it and there was a tour group coming through like in a in a tour bus or something and, and he slowly walks out in front of them and makes them wait for a really long time because he's walking so slowly <laughs> like an old man and then when they finally when he's finally across the street and they they start driving away. He he runs up next to them like as fast as he can, like full speed, um, 
<laughs> you know, it's just stuff like that. I think is fun. And then I would say um, the the Sherman Brothers talked about how Walt Walt's favorite song that they'd ever done uh, was "Feed the Birds." Yeah, and just the the kind of emotional moment that that um, I believe it was it was a Richard or anyway, one of the Sherman Brothers just tell the story so beautifully about how Walt wanted to hear that, and that was kind of like it meant a lot to Walt for various reasons. I mean, this is like Lily said, his kind of crowning achievement in film. And I would agree with that. Definitely. Uh, it's also kind of that message of, um, you know, what really matters in life. And Walt had a really good grasp on, on that kind of thing. So um, yeah, just the, the, that connection that he had to um, that one song. Yeah. You know, I've heard that story too. I think it was, was it Richard Sherman or whatever talking about how Walt well, yeah, will call him in. Wasn't like often on a Friday afternoon, mm-hmm. kind of like as the work week was winding down and he'd have him come in and um, play it on that piano. And, his, and yeah, I think there was like a one last playing of it, like before Walt died, and, and they just kind of knew that it might be the last. Yeah, just very touching. Yeah, yeah. that is touching. You know, speaking of the music, that was really my first introduction to the film. I don't remember the first time. I, saw it. I mean, clearly it's been in my life, the whole my life, you know, as it seems like it's always been a presence, but my parents were big fans of, of um, musicals. And so we had all, all these albums of, of like original Broadway cast recordings of everything. I remember, you know, West Side Story and South Pacific and, you know, stuff of the era. And then we had the Mary Poppins album. Nice. And it had that kind of classic artwork with just the big heads of Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews and then Mary Poppins or in like it was in a big electric sign. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That 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 art. And I just remember listening to that thing all the time. I just loved it. And and then just, you know, reflecting back on it, getting ready for this podcast, I just think that for me that the music is still such a strong point. I mean, I I love everything about it, but I think it just comes down to the songs and and you know, as a kid, of course, I love like Super Califragilisticexpialidocious and whatnot. Um, but as an adult now, every time that I hear "Let's Go Fly a Kite," I just like ball. You know, <laughs> so, uh, do you have uh, a favorite song or a favorite musical sequence in the film? Either of you? I mean, and that's also kind of hard to pick, or maybe say favorite. <laughs> you know, I've got one, and I'd love to hear Lily's answer, but mine. And I'm, I'm guessing this isn't her answer, but I grew up loving uh, Step in Time, yeah. and the whole sequence. I, I think that would just really appeal to a young so cool. boy, you yeah. know, and just kind of the whole, you know, just kind of wrapping up the story in a fun way. And it's just, you know, everything that happens there. And then, then they, they go into the house, the chimney sweeps go into the house and they're terrorizing the, yes, you know, the, exactly. the, the help. And, Spreading uh, suit all over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, just like the the choreography, and like as a, you know, as a ten year old boy, I'm not, I don't even know what choreography is, but I'm looking at that, going, "Whoa, this is amazing!" Like, I yeah. wish I could do that. That's incredible. So I've always loved that. And weren't the effects so cool in that too? As a, as they were, this the suits were popping out of the chimneys. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah. heads were coming out the sides. Yeah, yeah just weird things. And I love that. And I also love like those um, silhouettes. That they had to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. you know, everything about that sequence yeah. was, was on the roof was, lines and everything. Yeah, yeah. And I remember trying to try the moves as a kid, you know, and 
I'm thinking like, how yeah. did Mary Poppins spin that many times? Yeah, There's no that's way. spinning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, that is a really great sequence, and it, I mean that choreography is it's iconic, uh, and I, I I kind of appreciate how much you know people kind of pay homage to it as there's you know other you know remakes and sequels of mary poppins you know it's like that the choreography in that particular scene is is just really great um so yeah for sure i think for me i mean feed the birds i mean i can't listen to that song without crying um but you know really meaningful but um i think what i really just appreciate is how much the songs drive the storyline in the yes. movie in a really powerful way. Yeah. I love George Banks's songs. I love how he walks into the door, you know, and everyone's ignoring, he's ignoring everyone, you know, even, you know, General Boom is saying, Banks, there's, there's weather at your house. And he's having a great day. Everything's falling apart around him, but he has a home he's home on time everything's in order you know but he's just in complete denial and um and you know by the end you know that scene with him and Bert where it's the last kind of refrain of that song you know Mm -hmm. he's played it throughout they've played it throughout the movie his character arch as it starts to break down and then in that in that moment where where Bert really kind of you know really starts bringing it home with you know oh I guess you haven't time to yeah, he's kind of like shaming him but in a good way <laughs> yeah yeah just kind of pointing out to him the reality of the of the situation and um you know I I just think it's really really well done um and you know even the stories behind the songs themselves you know the the Sherman brothers actually flew flew a kite with their dad when they were young and that's where they came up with the song so they oh really yeah their dad would make kites and they were i guess they were really good and the children around would get jealous and come and you know play the play with the kite with them and and you know so he was kind of known for it and um so even just like knowing that and then like seeing that show up in the film it's just a really good arc and i just think the, the music's just really really well done you know, Lily, you mentioned about uh, Mr. Banks, his, you know, delivery of the songs. Don't you think the cast is just like perfect in this movie? Oh, I mean, I just can't picture anybody else <laughs> yes. playing any of these roles. Like David Tomlinson, you know, as Mr. Banks. He's perfect. He's perfect. <laughs> he is. Don't you think? I mean, maybe I'm off and I guess I'm just. No, he is. He absolutely is. I mean, he plays the, he kind of has the challenge of being like one character that, morphs into another character kind of at the very end and he does both of them beautifully i mean he you, you can really believe that that change that he goes through yeah and you know glennis johns is so good i love i love her warbly like the, all that vibrato in her voice you know totally. <laughs> sister suffragette like again but i can't picture anybody else doing it you know everybody everybody's so good and then of course when I mean, the kids are adorable and uh the um, you know, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke I, are so yeah, the two leads perfect. are. I mean, who else could have done that? Yeah, yeah, so powerful. Yeah, you know, yeah. there's that story that you know, Julie Andrews got snubbed for because she was she played Eliza Doolittle in the original Broadway cast of <laughs> My Fair Lady, 
and then you know she got snubbed for the film version. They picked Audrey Hepburn. Yeah, and, but and I think it's which I'm was a sure. blessing in disguise, could have done right? Both, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a blessing in disguise because she got the Mary Poppins role. She got the Oscar, right, for best yes. for best actress. Her first and then Walt, uh, didn't didn't Walt find her by watching My Fair Lady, or like somebody told him to go watch it? Or... Know, that's yeah, a good and, and went that to her right. stage door and personally, oh, he went to her stage door. personally asked her if she would do it. Oh my goodness! Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which which is a testament to like how the instincts of Walt Disney, because now you're going to look for the big name, you're going to look for the the Hollywood uh, superstar, you know, the the one who's um, in all the headlines and the one that's going to bring in the most box office dollars. But, you know, Walt clearly wasn't after that. He was looking for the person that was going to play the perfect Mary Poppins. Yeah. yeah. You know, even in like uh, somebody who doesn't have name or condition, like, um, like she didn't have that at, at the time. Right. Um, and so he just had that instinct where he can say, you know, she's Mary Poppins. She's the one. It doesn't matter if she's um, a household name. She will be a household name soon enough. And, and, and because she's she's right for the job. Totally. Yeah. He, he just had such a good eye for talent. Um, I just think that was a real gift that he had. And, you know, he you know, he, he didn't he couldn't draw the things himself, per se, or write the songs. But he knew when the song was right, you know. Yeah. 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 One of the things, you know, Mitch touched on and that I think still is one of the many things so remarkable about this film is just how good the special effects are. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, that all, I think still, they still hold up. I think, you know, recently rewatching it, I just think, Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a little hokey, but it does look like they're jumping into a painting. And mm-hmm. what's up with that audio anim- animatronic bird? It's so cool. He gets it all in there. <laughs> totally. <You know? laughs> and if you, and I don't know about you guys, but if, if you watch the most, technically advanced movie of today and then you watch mary poppins i'm far more impressed with mary poppins right because they can do anything right now in the, in the computer yeah with computers not impressed with any of it like who like if if uh, a boy crawls under the table while she's pulling something out of the carpet bag you're you're going wait a second they're not just you yeah. know there's not just a hole in the in the table and they're not just okay they're doing something here and how in the world are they doing it <laughs> true movie yeah. magic right yeah the, and the movie magic today is it's like the answer is always well, normally, always, oh, it's just computer effects. They could do whatever they want. Whereas here, they were like geniuses in the uh, in that department. I, I love, you know, I mean, oh, of course, all, the whole thing. But, you know, how in the, in the uh, spoonful of sugar sequence, how they're tidying up the room mm-hmm. uh, yes. with, with magic. <laughs> and so just how fun that is. I mean, clearly that they're using some kind of stop motion animation or whatnot. But it looks great, I yeah, think. Yeah, they're using a combination of things. They're doing like um, reverse film. In mm-hmm. fact... Oh yeah! If you guys will indulge me, I, I made a list here earlier today. Of, oh please! Of different types of um, uh, effects that they used. Some of them were kind of new. Some of them were not as new. But um, and I and please let me know if I miss anything. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you that, brought that up. They they used stop motion animation, like for the toy soldiers, for example. Um, they used and then when like something would come off the floor and go up on the table, like the dishes or whatever, um, that would be a reversed effects so they would kind of push it off the table and then reverse the film so then it would go back on the table um cell animation of course with the animals and the jelly holiday uh, sodium vapor screens like i said before that one was interesting because blue screens at the time uh prohibited anybody to 
from wearing blue. And then the blue on the color spectrum, from what I understand, the blue is like a wide range of like color waves and stuff. So there's, it's really hard to kind of target it in. It's hard to get it really perfectly lit. So they put on, they, they, they figured out that sodium vapor, and I don't know anything about this stuff, but sodium vapor emits kind of a yellow, orangey yellow uh, color and uh, vapor. And it's very, very narrow on the light spectrum to where it's really like, even if Bert has yellow stripes, which he did in his, in his suit, um, the jelly holiday suit, it did not get confused with the background. Like, like the blue screen would have had that same problem if he was wearing blue stripes. Um, anyway, they, they figured it out and to where even, and this is like super duper impossible. Um, even right now with like green screen technology, um, Mary Poppins had that veil type thing on her Jolly Holiday hat. Uh, Lily, what's that called? That kind of like, it's like um, translucent almost, right? Yeah. It's yeah. this fabric that you could kind of see through. Um, I don't know what to call it, but that was even um, perfectly um, captured um, with this with this technology. So the vapor screen thing, as nerdy as it is, it's, it's actually quite impressive. Um, matte paintings, Peter yeah. Ellenshaw. The matte paintings in this film are so spectacular, I think. And the paintings, but then they poked the holes in them and then the lights yeah. came through, yeah. which I thought is, I mean, is still a really cool effect. And I actually saw those paintings. Really? Yeah, D23 did uh, a, a Mary Poppins exhibit and they had everything there the jolly holiday dress there and the no way bag and those paintings were there it was so cool i was oh, like wow cool. these i can't believe like they made these look so good and just shown lights through these little holes this <laughs> is so cool and, and that, that film had a lot of those it had like a ton of peter ellen shaw yes because they kind of weren't they were not even trying to go for a kind of photorealism they were going for more of like a, a theatrical set look and feel like totally you know which which adds to the charm i think one time when i was at disney they had um well peter ellenshaw had passed away and his son had kind harrison, of right? harrison right is that the name yeah, of the son harrison, yeah. exactly harrison ellenshaw had kind of um worked with his father for many films and then kind of took over for his father in that, that kind of matte painting space and he did a lot of he went on to do like you know empire strikes back all these different cool things but he he worked a lot with his father on these films, even as a young young boy. So they brought him into uh, one of the bookstores, that that cool bookstore, that um, art store, at downtown Disney at the time. And they, he was going to do a book signing, and he was going to be there for like three or four hours. And so I went to it, and there was nobody there. I don't they didn't advertise it or something. There was just nobody around. So I, I hung out with him for a little while. And he, he was telling me all these cool stories oh, about Mitch stories. About, Holy smokes. You have never you. told me this before. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, this yeah. is a great story. It was yeah. super cool, you know? And so they had, um, and I had, and I had already gone to the Disney university, which is kind of like their employee um, computer lab and, and library. You can check things out. And I would check out all the old like VHS and the eight millimeter films and stuff and go and transfer them. Um, so I could have a copy for myself because they were a lot of them were really rare. And they had a, a Peter Allen shot documentary that I'd never seen or heard of. And Harrison, it was in there a lot. So he and I, we talked for quite a while and it was really cool to kind of hear the, the Mary Poppins stories and the, the stories of these other films. Um, I think he did stuff on uh, Pete's dragon and, and a lot of other cool movies. Um, so 
anyway, yeah, this film has matte paintings um, to where sometimes the matte painting is behind, sometimes it's in the foreground, sometimes it's like if we need a giant cathedral and a cityscape, where, and like Lily was talking about, the blinking little lights. Uh, this painting was, what, four, three, four feet wide, even though it represents this huge city. And they would put that in front of the camera and then put the actors behind it or put the scene the rest of the real life um landscape behind it so it's this really cool uh trick they play in the, the camera you know everything's lined up so perfectly that it, it works super well in the, in the film so that's a great one uh wires of course yeah I, think, I wanted to talk to you about the wires yeah the wires they had um multiple places in the film because you know they just happen to be floating around and they laugh or whatever um but yeah, what did you want to, uh, what were you thinking, Stan, about the, the wires? Well, so I just, I, I've always been so impressed with them, you know, when Mary Poppins initially flies in, but I guess before that, how all of the nannies that are, that are going to be waiting in line to be interviewed, <laughs> how away. they all get blown away. I mean, that is so fantastic. I think, you know, like the it, one that goes completely upside down. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's done so expertly. Because again, you know, clearly they're they're using wires, but but it's so great, yeah. The way that they do the body poses and stuff on that, and then uh, you know the "I love to laugh" sequence. Yeah, even the kids get in on it, right? The the kids are like doing somersaults. Is that all done with wires? So that leads me to the next one that goes along with the wires: the uh, custom floating mechanism. So they would build like a kind of. Um, sort of a, a rig that's kind of a chair that you sit on so they don't they don't show it on camera um so it's for the the, the moments where you kind of see that from the waist up or the chest up and they look like they're floating because they re- really are moving in that way because this mechanism it goes up and down and left to right and just kind of has this really gentle floating uh, movement they put it under the table and they put it under all the actors so everything kind of has this up and down floating um, look. So when, when you have a long shot and everybody is full body, you know, everybody's visible, the table and everything, they're on wires. But when you go a little bit closer, the close-up shot, they're going to be sitting on this mechanism. And then when they're kind of um, bouncing off the walls, they're on a different set of the same room that's on its side or upside down. And so if you start to mix all of these things in together um it looks really almost like impossible to figure out how they did the the scene itself because if it was all wires it would be pretty easy to kind of pinpoint that if it was all just sitting on these moving uh rigs it'd probably be pretty easy to figure that out but they mix it all up in a way that's like oh wow this is amazing how do they how do they pull this off so uh yeah those are impressive yeah um yeah it's cool we talked about the reverse film stop motion animation puppetry puppetry i think the um the parrot is it polly is that the name of the umbrella mm-hmm. oh yeah 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 mm-hmm. it's got a little lever on it mm-hmm. yeah that'd be a, that'd be puppetry right and then d- did your prop at the parks did it move at all it did not like the mouth didn't move no well they didn't want you to like have to do the voice or whatever yeah have, have somebody like being the voice oh that'd be so cool i'm sure they make replicas right they're somewhere out there they've got to have a replica oh you, you think there'd have to be yeah, yeah i have a, a replica but it also doesn't 
have a oh static. Job. But remember, you and I talked about we were going to make one at one point. We should still yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, we should. Oh, make for sure. Is, we should sell them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should. Be so awesome. Absolutely. Um, the then the last one on my list, and I'm sure there are many that I'm missing, would be animatronics. So they had the animatronic, um, the animatronic Polly. No, the animatronic. Uh, birds right the bird the yeah that does the, the robins, duet yeah. yeah which is so cool because they're in the tree and then they go okay that's easy they, they're hiding wires down the legs of the birds and then down the branch into some control uh units where somebody's controlling them uh but then she picks it up on her fingers and they're like wow yeah. like she brings it into the and she brings the it into the yes and it's all very controlled you know the camera doesn't go down very low but i still think it's the most fantastic Effect how they, yeah, how they were I'm able to pull like, that off. Uh, wires through her sleeve, or something? that's one thing. Wires through her sleeve somehow. I mean, this predates wireless anything, really. Um, and so the audio, audio animatronic technology was still, um, audio still tapes. pretty new, right? I mean, when did the Enchanted Tiki Room open? As right, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. 60s, well, a couple of 62 or something, I, yeah. And this is back when they were, you know, they've switched since, since then they have modified it to more digital stuff. But the, back then it was uh, audio reels, like audio tapes, film really that had audio cues on them and the audio cues would trigger different movements. So um, when, uh, and maybe in this film, they, I don't know if they, how, what they did exactly. Maybe it, if was, it like, was all dubbed or if it was all yeah. live, if it was all live or whatever, yeah. but, but the Enchanted Tiki Room originally had audio tapes signaling the various movements. And then on top of that, they had audio reels that were separate, um, but the actual movements were um, triggered by audio cues, which I thought was interesting. Um, so those sparrows are great. And then a the fun fact, now keep me honest here. I think you guys would know better than me. The Carousel of Progress has a couple of chirping, like sparrows, or not sparrows, uh, robins, is that right? Robin's in the back window of one of the scenes of the, the Carousel of Progress. And it was always rumored that they got those from the Mary Poppins film originally. So I did manage to go back there and, and photograph them, you know, after hours. And the ones they have in there now in the last 20 years, they don't match the ones in the Mary Poppins film. But apparently, and maybe I'm, maybe it's totally a lie, some sort of urban folklore, legend. urban legend. Yeah, yeah. But apparently the, those birds from the film ended up in the Carousel of Progress initially. I love that. I hope it's true. Yeah. I have no idea if it's true. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> but, but you know, Disney one. legends surprise you because there's, you know, I feel like there's quite a few that are folklore, but that every once in a while, you know, someone pretty official will be like, no, that one's actually true. And you're like, no way. Well, <laughs> so. didn't they have, yeah, exactly. Didn't they have um, the uh, Julie Andrews carousel horse in the great movie ride queue along with some other props? Yeah. That, that was a yes. long ago. Yeah, they, they did. They did, dude. That's right. And I'm trying to think because I, oh, I, I remembered where they said they were going to move it, but I actually don't remember where it is now. But I think it is oh. somewhere. You know, if I'm not, I could be wrong, but we should just take this as a homework assignment. But, you know, for the Disney 100th anniversary, the, Arch the Walt Disney Archives has prepared a traveling museum exhibit, and it's opening up in Philadelphia, I believe, either this month or next month, sometime soon. Yeah. I think that horse is part of the oh, no way. exhibit. That Julie Andrews 
Yeah. Stan, do you know if they're going to use the little uh, snow globe as oh, well? I, don't know. I, I, again, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think that's but... what they, I think they have that in the archives and they put it on display sometimes out in the kind of the lobby, lobby area. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's going to be. I, yeah. Either way, I, just having that horse is really, really, really cool. It's cool. And, and I that's, don't another, know if that's another effect too that I didn't mention, but that's, I'm sure there was some sort of like, mechanism or multiple mechanisms that attached to those uh, horses as they kind of bounce through the, cause they were moving, right? I mean, it wasn't so oh, much yeah. that, that you know, they didn't necessarily get animated. They were the live action props moving through this, you know, scene that it was an, being animated right around. Yeah. Then they had to like, the animators had to put like, like the Fox, for example, is on the back of the horse kind of holding on for dear life. And that's all nicely lined up. I'm sure they, uh, well, even- scopes like traced it. Yeah, even how the the poles dig in the dirt, dig in the dirt, as they go down. You know, <laughs> no. I mean, yeah, a little touch I've always loved. Yes, yes. and the the turtles. Oh, they like, oh yeah, don't they like bounce yeah, they do on like them. yeah, like so, don't they do kind of a one leg <laughs> balance across the little pond or whatever yes. on the yeah. turtles? Yeah, and they have like the horses first go, and I think they kind of do they hit the turtles on the shells, and then they're all anyway. At some point, yeah, they're on this this other rig, which I saw like behind the scenes of where there's this little pedestal for Burton, little pedestal for Mary Poppins. And they're standing one foot on each of these little tiny pedestals, pedestals small enough to like be hidden under their foot, their shoe. So it's not a very big surface that they balance on and they're moving through. And, you know, they, Dick Van Dyke just looks so cool with his like one leg up in the air and his arms out. He he looks like exactly what you want him to do uh, in that kind of part um yeah just unbelievable amount of uh quality effects well and they would have had to do split screen too right for the mirror when she sings and she's you know oh yeah she's sitting with herself in the mirror i wondered that and that's probably what they did do yes i'm not sure i'm trying to remember that scene because she could have just been filmed from the back and had a double but no, I bet no, you, you they, they had to film it twice, probably. And yeah, yeah. however they yeah, integrated it into the split, shot. A split screen. They could have done, they could have painted that All the parent mirror. Trap. The mirror could have been painted um, with the sodium vapor or it could have been blacked out and then double exposure. I'm not, I'm not sure, actually. That's a good question. A split screen would have done the job as well. Um, you didn't what? mention talking dogs. Talking dogs. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> that was a good effect. <laughs> you know, and I remember thinking as a kid too, like I wanted to live on Cherry Tree Lane. That, oh, yeah. That that is beautiful. Just that set, I mm-hmm. think, is so beautiful. It's fantastic. And I know that probably with the Admiral Boom stuff, some of that stuff had to have been. Uh, you know, the, um, uh, some kind of a composite shot, but still his, you know, when they just show him up on that roof, like, I mean, you just, you just want to be, I just want to be there. You know, I just, I, <laughs> totally. I love, I yeah, love uh, everything, everything about it. In fact, it's one of those, if I, if I could go back into time capsule, I'd want to go have a stop at uh Disney studios in all of 1963 or, you know, whenever they were principal oh, filming yeah. was happening and see that set. I remember uh, the first time seeing a picture of that set, you know, zoomed out 
so you can yeah, see that so it's a set. See, yeah, you see like see the, the lights. lights. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. <laughs> my head just exploded. <laughs> you know, one thing that I had forgotten uh, was that Julie Andrews' husband at the time was, I think, the main principal costume designer. Does that sound really right? I actually don't know that if that's the case. And of course, now I'm drawing a blank on his name. But, uh, you know, there was that. Um, did you ever watch that show? It was, I think it's probably still on Disney Plus, but I believe it was called Prop Culture. Oh, yes. yeah. Prop Culture. See, I good. think that they did that was a, a great Dis- show. I think they did a Mary Poppins episode, or maybe there were a couple that had stuff. And I think he was still alive. And they went and talked to him and were able to show him some of the costumes that were that that were that he uh, did. Yeah, that he that he made that they still had that they had preserved in the archive. Really? And I think it was an emotional moment for him. I don't think I think, you know, he hadn't seen them since. I the watched film. that episode. I remember that. You remember, yeah, mm-hmm. I, that's it had, had the... Jane's coat. Yes. Like her little her, her little, little her, coat. An yeah. adorable little yellow coat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, That's so cool. That that was cool, and I think weren't they hunting down the umbrella in that one too? Yeah, I think they had the umbrella. They had the little globe and the snow globe, right? Yeah. What a cool! What a cool! uh, Yeah, it's just it's all it's all so cool. Watch that. That was a great. Yeah, I want to. I want to rewatch that. Two episodes, right? Like they only had maybe. Yeah, they only had eight episodes or something. Yeah, which is a bummer. I wish they they kept uh, they kept cranking those out. those were those were really cool. And then why? I, go oh, ahead. ahead. No, please. After you, Mitch. No, I was just wondering. Um, you, we haven't talked about Mary Poppins Returns, and and, and I thought it was a good uh, little uh, homage to the original. I thought they did a good job. But one thing they did do really well, I thought, was the Cherry Tree Lane kind of scenes. They, they just they just brought back that sort of feeling that you have in the original mm-hmm. film um, of the that whole set and the whole just kind of that little street and the the beautiful little. You know, twinkling lights, kind of um, atmosphere. Um, and and speaking of that, I, I thought you know that would be a perfect environment in a, of for a theme park. You know, like some movies just really lend themselves to a theme park attraction. Lily wrote an article on the blog about that a long time ago about how they should do that, and and that was long before they announced it. Right? They they basically took your idea. They took house. Lily's idea is what I thought too. But you, you would want <laughs> it. It's that something it's, it's a, it's a film and uh, the great movie ride, they had um, some stuff, but like it's, it's one of those films that you want to go into it and, and yeah. be a part of and be kind of surrounded by. And so it would be really cool that, you know, cherry tree lane, the, the house, the nursery, um, all the different uh, kind of things you would probably see as part of the attraction. Um, now I'm, I understand and correct me if I'm wrong, that there have been a few, uh, Mary Poppins attractions that have kind of, uh, made it down the, the, the path, um, before they were canceled, they were never built. And one, I believe was supposed to take place where, uh, Peter Pan's flight currently, uh, exists at the magic kingdom. Um, Oh, interesting. So go, go in fantasy land. Yeah, so apparently, from what I understand, and I haven't read about this for a while, but from what from you know my fading memory, the the Fantasyland of Magic Kingdom was supposed to have 
like all different rides from the the west coast so disneyland would have you know the alice and uh and, and the snow white and peter pan um and then the the west coast i mean the east coast was supposed to have instead of uh peter pan a mary poppins ride that would also hang from the ceiling so the ride vehicles would be sus suspended from above and the track would be above you and you would kind of go through um through that um now if you rewind a little bit further back, uh, Imagineer Tony Baxter, one of his kind of college projects that he did or a side project was uh, a Mary Poppins attraction. And he had the ride vehicles. Uh, they were going to be the entire carousel. So the carousel with four horses on them. So four guests per ride vehicle. And the whole carousel would go through the the scenes. Oh, of the, interesting. Of the film. Okay. And, uh, I heard a couple different variations for the, the Magic Kingdom version, but I think that was supposed to be individual horses or horses that were connected to each other, but they weren't part of the carousel. They were, they had already kind of leapt off of the carousel. They had escaped so, the carousel. Yeah, they had escaped the carousel. <laughs> um, but it, it just really, and, and I'm not a fan of me making every movie into an attraction. I think yeah, there's, it's you don't want to do that. But this film in particular would be just kind of a perfect Epcot attraction uh, and even maybe a Fantasyland attraction. You know, I, I love being reminded of, of this history, Mitch. As I recall, when the Mary Poppins attraction at Epcot was announced, they had like only one piece of concept art. I think they had a poster, one of those cool stylish posters that Eric Tan and his wife did, you know, uh, yeah. for, for, for Epcot's kind of rebirth and then also the they had some concept art and i think that you entered the ride through i mean you entered the ride the show building through uh cherry tree lane you know like okay. they like they were like going to build a cherry tree lane in the back but then they had there was no word about what the attraction itself was going to be you know maybe yeah. it's just a spinner ride I'm joking, you know, inside, the, <laughs> inside <of the> building. <laughs> but uh, with a giant Mary Poppins head, right? But what would be your ideal uh, theme park attraction for, for, uh, for Mary Poppins? Lily, well, let's hear, let's hear. Yeah, your I just idea said, I'd love to get your, I'd love to your get idea has been published and uh, yeah. many people have uh, seen it and commented on it. Yeah, I mean, be? mine is very similar to Tony Baxter's. Um, basically, I mean, I don't think that there's a movie better set for a great queue, you know. So I think that queue is, you know, like you say, you're kind of waiting in Cherry Tree Lane, just standing, you know, as if you were a nanny waiting to be chosen <laughs> from the bank's home. You know, you could be standing in line waiting to go on the attraction. And I think the attraction, you know, in my mind, it, it kind of works um, similar to the ride we lovingly refer to as the Ellen DeGeneres ride. Um, <laughs> where the, uh, you know, where the, you have kind of this moving piece on the bottom that can move and turn. And so you're sort of l loading on a carousel um, that looks like it's going in a circle, but then, you know, an animatronic Mary Poppins is there to say, oh, who says we're not going 
anywhere. Oh God, you know, and then suddenly these, you know, seemingly attached to a carousel horses are now off and you're you're able to go off on these adventures. And it would be really cool if the carousel horses, similar to the movie, go up and down, you know, the entire attraction. So of course there'd be benches for people that aren't able to ride a horse. So it'd be similar to a carousel in every way, but you know, you're then going through just, you know, our favorite scenes of, of Mary Poppins, you know, I think that's kind of the concept that I had. And then I thought it would be fun if the very end, um, you know, it wouldn't work in order. And and I, ha- I think it was actually Tony Baxter that said, you know, people today are too caught up in things going in order, you know, and having to be exactly <laughs> like the movie. And so, you know, in my mind, it would actually go a little bit out of order, but you'd end up back in the chalk painting and the very end of the ride would be water coming down and and basically oh, yeah, washing rain. away uh, this yeah, imagination kind of... that, you know, this imaginatory adventure you had just been on and, you know, everything kind of washes away and, and you get off the ride and you're back in London. So... Which would be a, a really good transition back into the, you know, the uh, modern day or the, the period of, of, of the film in London going out. And then as you exit that part of the land, it gets, you know, you, you, in a theme park attraction, you always want to have this like kind of gradual um, immersion into the story and then a gradual uh, immersion out of the story and back into the exterior of the attraction. So that would be really nice. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Uh, yes, please. I want to go on. <laughs> want to go. Yes. Yeah, and I have this fear now that you know they have the new movies, and you know I think um, Bob Iger does have a tendency to do things that are his era, um, yeah. and yeah. so you know I think yeah uh, we yeah. all have that fear that this is going to be more of a if they end up doing it that it's going to be more of an Emily Blunt it's Emily Blunt Mary Poppins yeah. than a Julie yeah. Andrews Mary Poppins, which. Would make me pretty sad considering yeah. how long we've waited for Mary Poppins attraction. Julie Andrews, yeah. What about you, Mitch? Have you got have you know, you, I have a something couple. in mind that Yeah, okay, so back in the day when they closed down uh, twenty thousand leagues under the sea submarine attraction at Magic Kingdom. Uh, luckily they kept the submarines in in Disneyland, but they had this big property and they end up draining the the lagoon and they end up filling it up, filling it in with dirt. And then there was a big, big piece of property that later became new fantasy land, um, magic kingdom version and where they put in like multiple different, uh, attractions. Uh, so it was very large and it could have fit a lot in there. And so I had this idea that I kind of pitched around when I was at Disney and I had drawn up pictures and everything of, um, I called it, the nickname was streets of London where it would, would be kind of like that, really uh, beautiful London ar- architecture uh, with the kind of that park atmosphere. like, And so I had it kind of divided up and with nice transitions between each one of them. So they weren't um, overlapping in any uh, unpleasing uh, way, but it had the 101 Dalmatians um, dark ride and it had the sword in the stone dark ride, boat based dark ride. And then it had the Mary Poppins, Um, so you would on the exterior of the land, like outside, you would kind of see this, um, this London through the ages, kind of starting with the, um, the medieval, uh, sword in the stone setting. And then it would kind of gradually increase to Mary Poppins and to Dalmatians. Um, 
and I, I it, it makes me sick to think that you'd ever see like any two of those together in any way but if it was the way i kind of designed it is everything was positioned in a way that like i said you would gradually enter that that um that story that history that that, that storyline um little by little and by the time you got into a queue of any one of those three you would now be much more immersed into that into that setting and by the time you got into the show building and got on the ride you would be um really kind of surrounded by that that story but you'd slowly get out of the story as you exited and you go back into the streets of london to where it would be um, more london than than it would be poppins more london than dalmatian would so that was one of the things i thought would be fun um and the other one was i and i don't know how this would work because you do want some motion uh like lily was talking about with the horses going up and down for example but a carousel a theater would, I think, lend itself nicely to uh, Poppins because you could have – so if you go in the Carousel of Progress, like we mentioned before, the Carousel of Progress has these really cool moving props like the, the stove and the ovens and the fridge. Everything kind of opens and closes when they refer to those things and they have the, the cool music and sound effects. So when, when the, the, the dad is talking about the, the new advances in technology, that those technologies come alive in a really cool way. So I thought maybe there could be a, a kind of a four-act um, stage show with animatronics where it would, you know, act one would be kind of um, introduction, uh, introducing the characters and uh, the nursery, for example, maybe the nursery is act two. But, but all of a sudden, this messy nursery kind of puts itself back together with these kind of practical effects on stage right in front of you. So you're now seeing these things um, in real life. Um animated toy soldiers animated um toys and, and things come out of carpet bag um and then you go from there you had going to the, the the audience if, you, if you're not familiar with the, the carousel theater attraction uh, format uh, carousel of progress or america sings um or meet the world in um uh tokyo, tokyo right? did yeah. you ever see that stan no you know the one and only time i i, I went to tokyo Disneyland, it was it was already closed, which made me uh, really sad. I did get to see the Mickey Mouse review, Ooh, which cool. I was I was happy to you know see that in person. But yeah, sadly. Oh well, yeah. The, this this format, this um, kind of like animatronic stage show, where the audience rotates around. There are six sections of this theater, and so you you load into one of the sections, and you get a little brief introduction. But then all of a sudden, your the whole audience shifts to the next like rotates around the center of this building into the next section and you're looking at the stage that's one sixth of a you know of a circle um but if you did that and you kind of and i think i think both of you'd be really good at kind of uh, dividing the the mary poppins film into four uh show scenes but i was thinking it'd be really cool to have the jolly holiday uh, section where you have the animatronics and that's where you can bring to life a lot of um animated you know cows and and pigs and the little ducks and all that kind of stuff. And then you go and you um, do uh, perhaps a step in time. Step in time. For yeah, sure. section. And then you, <laughs> you kind of wrap things up with uh, um, somehow the um, the bankers and, and the feed the birds and everything. So, there. I mean, I haven't completely kind of dissected the the film in a way that would work in that, that situation, nor do I really even know if it would work well, but I think that there's some really cool effects that could be done on stage um, that would be really uh, fitting. Yeah, it's interesting. 
I will say, I mean, of course, I love my carousel horses, but, um, you know, my con- my ride concept would be a pretty, you know, what's up, like the efficient, you know, the efficient part of me <laughs> says, you know, like getting people on all these horses and loading this and getting it to go, you know, whereas a lot of those, you know, carousel progress and really anything with, uh, you know, dune buggies or you know like those are always those lines move so much faster like capacity <laughs> you know, you yeah. yeah the capacity the throughput. whole room and <laughs> you know so it is nice when there's a few attractions like that where you don't have to wait in the longest line and you can get you know a pretty great experience without having to take forever to load and forever to unload and all of those things. So well, it's know, kind of ET, interesting. The ET ride at Universal has like bicycles. So you ever be, yeah, everybody's I was on thinking of that, the ET ride. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So they could, if you did like connect multiple horses together, kind of in a, you know, in a pack, like in a group, yeah. you could probably do like four and then a back row to have four. I mean, you could have as many as eight in each ride vehicle and that would, that would help. Uh, yeah. Doing one one singular like single file force might be a little hard unless it's like an omni mover type thing. Which they're omni movers. They uh, doom buggies. Those those are high yeah. capacity. And then they just would have that extra mechanism that moves it up and down because that's essential. It's right? it was amazing <laughs> to me during COVID. I mean, of course, um, you know, Little Mermaid always moves really quick. But, you know, there's usually a line for Haunted Mansion. It was interesting when COVID happened and um, they just, because at Walt Disney World, of course, it's not actually an elevator. It's just, you just walk straight through. And so they didn't want anyone to gather in that room. And so you could just go straight through to the dune buggy and no line. Like, I mean, yeah, that oh, was, <laughs> I was like, wow, I didn't realize how much, you know, that uh, the room stretch scene really created a, a line even though you can pack quite a few people in that room yeah so i think i think really if you figure out the ride system um even a boat ride i'm just saying i love boat rides <laughs> uh, yeah the ride system they're laughing because of mitch always wants the boat ride which he i love loves a boat ride <laughs> I'm, with, I'm with you mitch <laughs> anything you can turn into a boat ride anything can be a boat ride <laughs> The Tron roller coaster. Yeah. So if you figure out if you figure out the um, the ride system and it has like a decent capacity, uh, it'd make a killer dark ride. It could be a really good like e ticket or d ticket attraction. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be fun. I love these ideas I mean, so much. I want to go. Maybe even a three D like Honey I Shrunk the Mary Poppins like. Like you, now you're pushing it. Now you're pushing it. Something crazy happens. You wear three like, glasses, and then yeah, there's like glasses. It goes horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> there's stuff comes shooting out. Boxes shooting at your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like somebody, like um, somebody burps, and you could smell it. Like kind of, all things that have already been done, but all now with the Mary, oh, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins theme. Plus yeah. in Tomorrowland, you know, too. Absolutely. <laughs> it's got to go in Tomorrowland. Absolutely. Oh, well, nowadays, anything can go in Tomorrowland. <laughs> anything. Exactly. I love these ideas so much. Let's, you know, they need to be, they need to be uh, built and built uh, right now. One couple of final questions for you both. Why do you think this film matters? 
I'm going to let Mitch go first on this one. Uh, you know, that is a good question. Um, I think there are probably a hundred really good answers. I think that um, if I were to sum it up, I would say it's incredibly charming and uh, everything that goes into that is it's meaningful. The story, the, the moral of the story, the, the things that happened to the characters, the, the, the things that were, were taught along the way, they're just wrapped up in just such a beautiful, charming and beautiful package that it's, it's unparalleled. It, there's never been anything like it. All of the other films that mixed uh, live action with uh, traditional animation, you know, a lot of them are great, but they don't, I, I don't think they hold a candle to this. Um, I, I can't think of one that even comes close. Yeah. Yeah, I would say similarly, you know, this is a really beautiful story told in a in a magical way. And I think one of Walt Disney's gifts was bringing heart and warmth into existing stories. You know, we've seen multiple attempts at Mary Poppins since this film, a musical and a sequel. And though they're really beautiful in their own way and, and have some really cool contributions to the story of Mary Poppins, you know, they don't really have the same heart for me as the movie. And, you know, if you, if you're only using the book as content, you know, I appreciate how difficult it is to be able to bring the heart into that film because in the book, you know, Mary Poppins is quite stern and she's, she's a bit of a cold character. She's quite vain, you know, and, um, you see that come through, but it's Julie Andrews, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. even though she's playing this vain, you know, stern person, you know, she's, there's a softness to her and a warmth to her that really draws you in. And then when you build the story around her and, you know, you have this really touching story the, the, one of the things I love about Mary Poppins is that the villain is us. <laughs> like <laughs> we're the villain, you know, and, you know, and you kind of see these other attempts, they're bringing in a villain. Um, but, but in the original film, you know, the villain is all of us, the, the people who forget and don't take the time. And, um, you know, I think that uh, the, the crux of the movie is when she sings feed the birds and you know by the end of the song like kids are asleep like there's no one around like she's singing to you you know like if you missed what the point of this movie was like here it is like you yeah, know and i yeah. i just think it's so it's so powerful and you know i think bert plays a really critical role in that scene where the kids have run from the bank and, you know, they, they say, you know, father's after us and he's called the police and the army and, you know, all of those things. They don't love us. And, yeah, he doesn't love us. Yeah. And Bert uh, has this really touching scene with them where he says, you know, who's there to look after your dad? You know, like he, he works all day and he cares about you and, you know, and really brings that, you know, and then there's a moment where the kids are watching where, you know, he's probably getting fired and, um, you know, they, they have a shift. And then, you know, I kind of mentioned that scene before with Bert and, and Mr. Banks where, you know, then he has a shift and, um, you know, so Mary Poppins is the catalyst, but, you know, I really, for me, the messaging is like, 
this is a story for all of us. You know, you see Winifred change, you see even the, the, the cook and the housekeeper change, you know, everybody sort of comes out of, you know, this previously negative pattern that they were in. And, and I really, what I love about it is that there's nothing wrong about, you know, Mr. Banks, he has a job, he has provides for his family, you know, like all of these things that sort of, He's orderly, be. yeah. and, and Winifred, you know, she's out fighting votes for women, you know, she's, she's got a cause, you know, what's wrong with that. But, you know, the, this story sort of brings home the idea that like, Hey, like pay attention because life goes quick. And, you know, if you don't take time to build a kite every once in a while, you're going to miss it, you know, and I just, it's so powerful and it's told so well. Um, and, you know, just so many little, subtle things throughout the film that really point to it and all of the backstory, even and all of those things, I think they really contribute to the overall feeling of the film. And I think that's the thing that's pretty hard to replicate. And I think that's the thing that that's truly timeless about the, the film. Well said. Absolutely. Okay. So one final question then. Wait, wait, before we do that, Stan, what's your yes, answer? Yes, Stan. Yeah. You got to tell us. <laughs> okay. Well, you're not, you're not asked. You know, I think it matters because as, as, as you both mentioned, I think Lily, of course, I think mentioned it first that this film is Walt Disney's crowning achievement. I think it, I feel like the film brings together every technical and artistic discipline that he nurtured, you know, and created at, at, at his studio in such a wonderful and, and magical way in like the best sense of the word, you know, none of this have a magical day stuff. They tell they say at a theme park, you know, but, but just real like, magical, it's yeah. real, it's a magic, it's a magical film. And, and, uh, you know, and you both t- touched on this so, so well and better than I can articulate it, but the, uh, the message of the film, I think is, is one that's the, the, that's timeless. And, uh, of course, you know, the music's fantastic and, and the technical aspects and the technical and artistic aspects are so good that they almost become invisible in a way, yes. you know, as we've yes. talked about and which makes it, I think, timeless. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, it's set in a certain period of time, I think anybody who, who watches this film it's not going to be to say, oh, this was just this was made in the '60s, you know, or whatever. You're just to give it like some kind of thing. You're like, no, this film was just made at the peak of Walt Disney's, you know, artistic prowess and career, and it's just, you know, and it's just the best. It's just one of the best. I think it's probably one of my favorite Disney live action films, and also just one of my favorite films. You know, um, I, I, I just, I think it's. And again, I just, you know, ramble on everything, everything that you both said. Said so well, but yeah, it's well, and it's crazy. It's crazy that Walt Disney, you know, this movie comes out in '64 and Walt dies in '65. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. this is like really, I mean, crowning achievement, but really, like, you know, obviously, he's like, working on other movies, you know, um, but you know, this was really the last one that he saw all the way through. Yeah, it was the, the big one, you know, you know, I know the last one he was working on before he died was The Happiest Millionaire. Mm-hmm. And and you know I hate to be rude, but the happiest millionaire is no Mary Poppins. I mean, oh, that yeah. film, <laughs> no. is, I think it's. I mean, it has some fun songs, and I love the cast. But oh, I just that one's hard for me to watch. And I just think <laughs> again, it is too long. 
and again, thematically different, you know, different and whatnot. But, uh, you know, thank goodness we have Mary Poppins, you know, that he was, that Walt was able well enough and able to work on it and, and was in clearly, you know, in decent enough health and, and, uh, what a, you know, what a gift to the world and what an amazing... I'm guessing it probably couldn't have been made 10 years earlier, and I don't think it would have been the same if it was made 10 years later. And, yeah, I, I mean, agree. It's kind of a hit the... It was perfect, perfectly timed, and yeah. luckily Walt lived to see it to see it made. And um, Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said, Stan. So f- final question then for all of us. Why why is this a film that you love? You know, why is this a film that's... that's uh, important to you lily do you want to go first on this one or do you want me to yeah i'm yeah i'm just thinking yeah what more can i say you know i think right, um right. some of the side i know we've already covered so much of this but just as a, you know, yeah. kind of a final i i would say that you know i mean for me this film is just incredibly nostalgic for me on you know multiple levels I think that, um, you know, there's a a big piece of my childhood of watching the film and, you know, obviously being friends with Mary Poppins in the parks, you know, I uh, grew, you know, when you, when you play someone, there is something, um, you know, you really find that part of that person in you, you know, and I, I really found that, that part of me that, you know, really connects to Mary Poppins as a character, as a person. Um, And, you know, I think everything I learn about that film, (laughs) you know, or the books or really anything, P.L. Travers and her life story, you know, I think every piece of it, you know, just uh, provides another layer of richness of it for me. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's it's great. It's a classic, and it's personal too. So, yeah, I think that's why I love yeah. it. Yeah, I I echo the same thing. Um, I, for me, it it has so many things that I'm passionate about. It has animation. It has you know uh, talking farm animals. It has uh, fun environments. It has good architecture. It has um, really good uh, humor and and, and acting. Um, it's got, um, it just kind of has it all, you know, and I, I'm interested in how things are done and how things are uh, invented to make, you know, part of the story advance. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? Um, it's got Walt Disney in it. So kind of some of my favorite topics to, to really study and read about and, and learn about. It, it's got pretty much all of them in some way or another in this film. So if if I watch it for um, just to listen to the music while I'm doing something, it it's fulfilling. If I watch it because I want some to kind of go back into that period, like I like period pieces, you know, it's a period movie. And I like to um, kind of think of what it would be like to live in that time frame. Um, it, it, it's meaningful. The, the viewing experience is there. The viewing experience can be a bunch of different things for me. Um, sometimes I, I watch it because I just want to um, I want to look at the story arc and the development of the, you know, just kind of like nerdy, uh, like the script is super good. Um, so it, it's got so many of those different things that are fascinating 
independent of each other, but then they're put together in a, such a beautiful way um, that it's just just uh, kind of this perfect film. I mean, I don't know if there's anything I would change. It's just the perfect film. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you both, Mitchellily. Um, you know, for, for me, I just again reflect back on just you know back when I was very little and just enjoying the music so much, and then finally. At whatever point I, I I saw the film, you know, I just feel like it's it's uh, it's never left me. It's just it's just one that is so happy, so charming, so optimistic, and and I just feel like it's the embodiment of of uh, of uh, Walt well, Disney's creative uh, output. You know yeah. that, that uh, yeah. again, as we mentioned, all all these different components to it, but just. Uh, you just it just uh, drips of 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 how I think I view the type of person and the type of filmmaker Walt Disney was, and you know uh, it 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 uh, it's, it's just, just as Mitch said it's 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 a perfect film and just one that I that's you know just I could watch any time and 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 be very happy yeah <laughs> be very happy about it. It's super <laughs> I had to, guys. I had to. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, Mitch and Lily, this has just been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for for joining me and for uh, talking about a film that I think is important to all of us. And and uh, it's just it's fun to get the band well, back together. To, yeah, too. We, I love talking to you too. We've got some uh, fun. Exciting! Uh, we have a trip coming up, and we we like to hang out and, and geek out. And this is a what better format to do than this this podcast for your your really awesome show that you produce, and we're glad to be a part of it. Yeah, um, this was really fun. Thanks for having us, Dan. Uh, thank you both so great. much. Well, that does it for this episode of the Movies Past and Present podcast. Again. Many, many thanks to Mitch and Lily from ImagineeringDisney.com for joining me today. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Links are on, on the podcast notes on my blog. And follow me on Instagram. The handle is at MoviesPAP, as in past and present. As always, I hope you'll enjoy some good movies this week, whether they be from the past or the present. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be safe out there and dedicate yourself to the truth. Thank you.